Who doesn't love a good sleeper? Drafts are not won in the first few rounds. Anyone can find an ADP chart and draft the top 100 players and have a good team. It's the players that are found in the back half of drafts that really separate the winners and the losers. And who doesn't love a great player to stash on your bench that ends up breaking out to be a stud in the NFL? Now I had one of the best minds on when it comes to sleepers at Poly Sleepers. And as a rookie podcaster, I made a mistake with the volume, but I had to salvage the podcast because he has such good insight into the topic of sleepers that I wanted the listeners to be able to pull from his mind and have some takeaways that perhaps could help you win a championship. So I've done my best to edit the volume to perhaps make it enjoyable. And it just shows us that there's always room to improve. You're always gonna make mistakes, but you keep working at it and you'll get better. So hopefully you'll take time to listen to this episode and maybe take something away that you can apply to your draft or your dynasty team and it's going to help you win a championship. This is Roto Lounge Podcast. I'd like to introduce our second guest to the lounge. He's a man you track down when you're looking for breakout sleepers on your dynasty team. You can find him on the web at polysleepers.com as well as on Twitter at polysleepers. The one, the only, Polly. How you doing tonight, Polly? Doing great, doing great. Happy to be on the show. How are you doing today? Doing very well. So, first thing I have to ask is, you know, in the lounge we like to uh, enjoy our beverages, our cocktails. Are you a social drinker? Uh, sure, absolutely. What's your drink of choice? I was in the restaurant business and bartended and waited tables for 20 years. So, uh, I mean, and I am 47 years old. I'm older <laughs> than all you guys on Twitter. Um, <laughs> um, so I've slowed down quite a bit. My go-to if I'm hanging out and I want a cocktail is something bourbon-related, you know, uh, Manhattan. But uh, I was going to say I've got a vacation coming up, and even though it's not to a beach, when I'm thinking vacation, I'm always thinking a rum drink. People don't know about this drink. It's old school because I'm old. The zombie. Have you ever oh, zombie? of course. The zombie is a great tiki drink. Legendary. Yeah. Yeah, legendary. Uh, created by this guy named David uh, something at the Hollywood Bowl. Lots of rum, white rum, gold rum, dark rum, apricot brandy, pineapple, little papaya juice, some grenadine, 151 rum on the top. I mean, that's what I'm thinking right now because I've got a vacation right around the corner. And uh, when I'm on vacation, I'm always thinking just rum drinks. Also, if you go to like an old school Chinese restaurant, they've kind of adopted it and they'll serve it in like a, a ceramic, like it looks like a zombie, kind of a tiki zombie thing uh so i'm a big fan i've never seen that but i'll definitely have to keep my eye out yeah we, we make zombies in the lounge you know tiki drinks uh we'll do mai tais and zombies and oh, yeah. and, and all kind of good drinks so so enough about the drinks let's just get started you're the man when it comes to sleepers and i've been hearing a lot in the industry that you know sleepers don't exist anymore with the birth of the internet social media platforms you know in the past if the player wasn't listed in the magazine that you buy off the shelf that was considered a sleeper how do you classify a sleeper in today's landscape when you have so many outlets to find about sleeper players or up-and-coming players? Uh, that's an excellent question that I get asked all the time, and it's so subjective. It's so polarizing, and a lot of times, you know, when I do get shade, and I'm really lucky, I don't get a lot of shade on my Twitter, 
but when I do get shade, it's usually somebody when I'm posting my, I don't know if you've seen it, usually my pinned tweet, like right now when you get this podcast out, my pinned tweet will be our podcast, but usually my pinned tweet is my updated sleepers list, and, and when I do get shade, it's usually somebody saying, these aren't sleepers. If you're on Twitter and you're really active and you keep up with it, it's hard to find a true sleeper, but I'm also out there for the casual fan. I have tons of followers that are, you know, not as into it as you and I and some of these guys, and they, they can be sleepers to them. It's very subjective. To me, the best definition is someone that can outperform their AD so, in, in double-digit rounds, you know. Um, later on in the draft, redraft guys, a lot of guys that you look for on the waiver wires, but I'm talking about 30-man, 33-man rosters or more and guys that you've got stashed that you're really not expecting to do anything this year, but you like their their future chances. So it's tough, man. It, it's uh, A lot of people are saying sleepers is dead. I'm trying to uh, make sure that that doesn't happen because, you know, the reality is um, sometimes people just go under the radar, you know? Yeah, and, and sleepers will always exist, whether you just change the name from sleeper, um, you know, to stash or to breakout, but people always want, to be ahead of the curve you know they want to make sure they have that player before he breaks out so everyone's hungry for that sleeper so you know across twitter you can see tons of sleepers for this year um some that you know maybe a lot of the industry is already talking about perhaps some that they're not but today this episode is going to be for the dynasty owners the deep dynasty stashes uh, like you said the ones that could be on 30-man rosters we're looking at players that are going to be outside the top 300 in current adp right now you know players that might not not even be relevant this year players to keep an eye on stash on your taxi squad if you have that or if you have a deep roster at the end of your bench so i want to start with your favorite deep sleeper a player that you're looking to stash everywhere uh, that you have a chance to someone that you want 100% ownership before that player climbs up the depth chart. Um, that would be uh, Byron Pringle for Kansas City Chiefs. Some of the people listening probably don't even know who he is, but uh, <laughs> that's the whole point of this, right? That, that, that's exactly why. You're, you're poly sleepers. You're supposed to be bringing this to, to our attention. So tell us about Byron Pringle and why we need to pay attention to him. Um, if you do follow me on Twitter, uh, at Polly Sleepers, you know that, I mean, for one, I am the original Byron Pringle truther. There's there's nobody documented that was talking about him before me, but um, was definitely high on him. Um, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, uncertainty with Tyreek Hill. And one of the reasons why I looked into this guy, because I assumed Tyreek Hill would miss some games and figured that he could see some early season work. That not, did not end up being the case, but I still like him as a stash. They drafted him last year out of KC State. He had a great breakout preseason game that was ended by a hamstring, and then um, when they did uh, further studies, MRI revealed a uh, hernia that needed attention, surgery. So instead of cutting this guy, they put him on the IR like week two of last year's preseason. Now, what does that tell you about their hopes for this kid? I mean, they would have just cut him. They wouldn't, you don't, you only have so many IR spots, just like we only have a few. If you do have IR spots on your, 
you know, team. The, the NFL only has a few, too, but they decided to stash this kid and hold on to him and see what he could do. Um, he's a family guy. Not to get into the, you know, dynamics of, you know, uh, you know, some of these guys that get in trouble a lot, you know, too much, but I like the fact that he's a real solid family guy. He posts videos on IG all the time. His uh, little son throwing him the football. Um, seems really, really solid in that respect. Like I said, they held on to this kid. Um, he uses his body to get open really, really well. He runs crisp routes. He has great hands. Um, 6'1", 203, not the biggest guy, but really, really shifty. You know, somebody that can play like that Y position. And he had a great off season. They kept talking about him and his development and his work ethic. I've been talking about him since like February, hoping that he would be the number five right behind Robinson. And if that was the case and, and Hill got suspended, he would see playing time. Well, like I said, you know, he won't see playing time right away, but you got to look at, you know, Sammy Watkins' injury history. I mean, he's missed a ton of games with his feet. If he misses games, Byron Pringle will be out there. If somebody else gets injured, Demarcus Robinson, Nicole Hardman, um, you mean that's their top four, Nicole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson. Uh, Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill, obviously. But if Tyreek gets in trouble again, he's obviously on a super short leash. Um, he's going to get out there. And then if you look into the future, they do have uh, Watkins inked for a few more years, but they haven't signed Tyreek. Um, they, they have publicly said that they're going to hold off on that. It's obviously a good decision. Going to hold off, see how he does, see how everything plays out, see if there's any more new evidence that keeps popping up in this case of his. Um, so if, if Nicole keeps doing what Nicole's doing in the preseason, he just scored for the second game in a row. He's had two NFL preseason games, and he scored in both. He looks he looks electric. Um, they may decide to just get rid of that uh, get rid of that distraction. They you know they dump Kareem Hunt. Um, so if they don't sign Hill, I could see Nicole taking over for his spot, and and Byron Pringle sliding right in there. They obviously love this kid. I want cheap pieces of this offense. I want, you know, this is a young offense for Dynasty. You want to look at the young, dynamic offenses like the Browns and the Chiefs that are going to be relevant for a long time, right? I, I just, I love it as a stash. Just stash him. Like you said, if you've got a taxi spot, put him in there, hold on to his ass. And, uh, and uh, at some point, I really think that he will be very relevant. Yeah, one thing you didn't mention, he, he's got some wheels. He runs a 4.46, and, and I, I was checking the ADP while you were talking, and he's not even being taken inside the top 400. So when you talk about a deep sleeper, you know, he's on nobody's radar right now. So that's an easy pickup. He's, he's free anywhere you want to pick him up. He's free anywhere you want him, unless you're in leagues with people that follow me. Because, <laughs> you know, I've sold him on, uh, on, my, on my peeps, and, uh, and they're holding him and stashing him. Um, unless you're in those leagues, uh, he should be uh, there on the waiver wire. And just look at, you know, your weakest link, your weakest link that's a hope and a prayer, be it, I don't know, I've seen people that have Terrell Pryor on their team. I've seen people that have uh, Samaje Pirine. You know, like, it's definitely probably worth a, a switch out for your weakest link. And you're bringing the fire, so, you know, I want to kind of go one for one with your positions. You know, obviously, you know, that's a great pick. That's, that's somebody that you're going to be able to get that nobody knows about. And if they do break out, you're way ahead of the curve. If they don't, you simply drop them and try for another sleeper 
the, the receiver that I want to talk about, and, and he's probably on a lot of radars because he was drafted. He was drafted this year, round six out of NC State. And that's Kelvin Harmon. You know, there's a chance he might not even make the team. They, they haven't talked about the, the depth chart yet. But, you know, right now the Redskins have Josh Doxson, Paul Richardson. We, we know what those two bring to the table. They have Mr. Relevant Trey Quinn, who, who's been hyped as the leading receiver this year, which shows you just how weak that depth chart is. You know, Terry McLaren is getting a lot of a lot of hype. They have Cam Sims, Brian Quigg, Jehu Chesson, Robert Davis. Like, none of these guys are really standout. So, Kelvin Harmon has as good a shot as anyone to move up that depth chart. His sophomore and junior year at NC State, he was over 1,000 yards. Uh, he averaged five and a half touchdowns per year. And, and on the field, you know, when I watched his game film, he looks like a potential number one wide receiver. But when he went to the combine, it really hurt him. You know, he ran a 4.6. You know, it's not bad speed for his size. And if you compare his size and speed to other receivers in the league, he's very similar to the Chargers' Mike Williams. You know, Mike Williams ran a 4.59 at 218. Harmon ran a 4.6 at 221. And everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of the industry is in love with Mike Williams. And they're similar prospects. So... You know, I think Harmon has potential to move up. Uh, he, he has great hands. He has great awareness. He doesn't have the speed. Uh, but if he can become that red zone threat like Mike Williams, a lot of people are sleeping on him as well because they're talking about the, the Terry McLarens and, you know, Paul Richardson and Doxson and Trey Quinn. What, what's your thoughts on Kelvin Harmon? Well, it was either uh, Doxson or Paul Richardson that they didn't uh, pick up his option. can't remember which one. One of those guys, I think it was, uh, I think it was Josh Doxson. They did not pick up his options, so obviously, you know, it's it's do or die time for him. Um, Paul Richardson was always just kind of a jag for me. Um, I, he was a spot start in, in DFS plays for me um, the last couple of years, but he doesn't really excite me um, that much. I uh, I like McLaurin on that team because of the rapport with uh, Dwayne Haskins in the uh, Pro Football Focus uh, era. They had uh, the most productive combination that pro football focus has ever seen of course uh haskins threw like 53 freaking touchdowns but there's room there's room you know like you said trey quinn i mean i think he will be the slot guy but to me he's like trent taylor he's like moise harris over in new england you know slot guys that are replaceable are you know are uh you know plug and play type guys definitely i don't think you know like a future franchise guy i can see Doxon and paul richardson being off this team really soon and the future of this team to me is uh, mclaurin and and, uh, and Harmon. so following in the draft um there was a lot of people saying man why is he slipping is there something that we're going to find out about him like because a lot of times when a guy like that slips later on you find out about some off the field issue or he's got, um, you know, the sickle cell trait that they found out about. Nothing, nothing like that ever surfaced about him. He just fell. And we were talking about Pringle and why I like him, a young offense. This is a young offense. I mean, I think that's a great sleeper to pick because um, uh, of the youth of that team. and They're going to be building and probably throwing a lot, right? <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll definitely throwing a lot. And they also have the second easiest pass schedule for receivers this year in fantasy football. So somebody in that offense is going to break out. Nice. I like that. And I was talking about that on the Fantasy Suits podcast last week. When I look at strength of schedule, that is not one of the first things I look at. It's not a determining factor for me. But if everything else lines up, and then I look at the strength of schedule, and that's a plus two. It's just enough to push me over the edge when I'm choosing between a couple different players if they're close. 
So um, that passing schedule is awesome. And like I said, they're not going to be icing away games with the run late in games. They're going to be throwing a bunch. The rookie quarterback, Haskins, is going to eventually get in there. I mean, I'm hearing that, you know, it might be Case Keenum for uh, for a while. Definitely a really, really nice stash, really nice pickup. Where, where are you seeing him in, in rookie drafts? I've been seeing him slip to the fourth, fifth round. I'm not sure what his ADP is either. Now, his ADP right now is 324, and okay. in, in rookie drafts, you know, I've seen him gone undrafted. You know, he's going around five, round six, sometimes free agent pickups. Now, you know, also if, if you're hesitant to stash him, you know, wait till the Redskins announce the wide receiver, you know, team going into the season. He's still going to be overlooked. If he goes in as the as the number six receiver on the on the roster, he's still going to go overlooked. You can still add him before week one. Um, right. And then hopefully he breaks out week one because he's had a real quiet preseason. You know, he had a catch uh, against the Bengals that was really spectacular, but it was called back for offensive pass interference. So, you know, he's been quiet, so he's not on the radar. But if he makes the team going into to week one, he's a good stash, in my opinion. I, I'm pretty confident he'll make the team, and I think he'll be the wide receiver five. I think he's looking just like Pringle in that depth chart. You've got Doxon, Richardson, McLaurin. And Trey Quinn, I think he's right behind him. So I think he'll start off wide receiver five and definitely make the team. All right, so we talked about receivers. Let's talk about the position that's throwing them the ball, quarterback. What's a quarterback that you want to stash deep on your roster? Ryan Finley. Um, you know, there's a lot of hype about Daniel Jones, but he's been drafted pretty early, especially in, like, super flex leagues and stuff like that. He's been getting all the hype. But um, Ryan Finley, out of NC State, who's the three-year guy harming the ball, comes from a, a pro offense, West Coast offense, 6'4", 207, prototypical size. They have a new coach there in Zach Taylor that was uh, a quarterback at Nebraska in 2005 to 2007. A lot of people don't realize that, but he's kind of a, a quarterback-minded coach. That's why a lot of people are, you know, a, a lot of the, the, the shark money in uh, fantasy football and like the you know big uh, uh, best ball leagues, uh, high dollar leagues, a lot of guys are snatching up the Bengals in those leagues, uh, um, thinking that Zach Taylor is going to rejuvenate this offense. But Andy Dalton, I would think, has a pretty short leash. Um, you know, he's uh, it's it's definitely. I mean, he's, he's going to have time to learn the offense, I think. But it's going to be prove it time for him too. Um, you know, the, the coaching window now is only a few years for these guys. Zach Taylor's not going to have time uh, um, to let, you know, Dalton um, be an average, you know, quarterback or underperforming quarterback. Um, I think he'll have a shorter leash than that. More about Zach Taylor, he was the Dolphins assistant coach, and he was the Rams assistant coach last year, so he's got that Sean McVay touch. But more on Finley, he, uh, he was very accurate, very good ball placement. He can throw wide receivers open. That's that's one of the biggest traits I look for in a quarterback is the ability to throw a wide receiver open, meaning the ball placement is where the right wide receiver can get to very quickly and catch the ball, but there's nobody else right there that can defend them. You know, um, They might look covered, but he's putting the ball where they can get out of that coverage and get open. He throws them open. Um, he works through his progressions. He's got very quality throwing mechanics. Um, he's not really a dual threat. He's athletic. He can make a few plays on the run, but he's not a, a dual running threat or anything like that. The biggest comp I can think of um, based on all that is Alex Smith. And, you know, that kind of quote-unquote game manager, but one that can, you know, get you points. I mean, 
basically in a, in a super flex dynasty league, I don't know about you, but I'm in a lot of super flex leagues, you want to have a few rookies stashed as well in case there's injuries and also, you know, as they come up and get opportunities, you have trade bait with maybe some of your other aging guys. Kurt Warner says he's been the most impressive rookie um, in the preseason so far uh, and in the offseason so far. And, uh, you know, I trust Kurt Warner's evaluation of quarterbacks more than I trust myself. <laughs> um, and and in, in his first preseason game, he looked poised. He looked comfortable in the pocket. And he went 20 for 26 with a 77% completion rate, 150 yards, two touchdowns, 116 quarterback rating. Not too bad for a rookie debut. He did not look like a rookie out there. He looked very poised. Um, and like I said, that's a stash. You know, Andy Dalton gets hurt. He's the man. And if Zach Taylor um, is not happy with Andy Dalton and wants to uh, let him go, I think he'll be given every opportunity. So he's positioned to be the backup. Are, are they moving Driscoll? One of the kind of uh, um, light bulbs that went off for me is how they have been kind of moving him around and seeing if they could do something else with him. And um, he's challenging uh, Driscoll for the number two job. Um, there was an article posted about it today, actually, in Sporting News, about how Finley is actually the favorite to beat out uh, Jeff Driscoll. I actually dropped Driscoll in one of my Superflex leagues that I have Andy Dalton in and put in Finley. I'm, I'm pretty confident that he's going to beat him out. Um, if you saw Driscoll last year in, uh, I think, four starts or five starts that he had, he's not really that good. I mean, he, he was able to find Tyler Boyd a lot. Now, obviously, you kept him relevant, but uh, I watch, you know, a ton of games and, and uh, definitely wasn't, wasn't anybody that was exciting to me. Well, you're bringing the fire with these uh, sleeper picks. So I'm, I'm going to try to go one for one with you again. So in this draft class, the number three quarterback I had ranked, and you can find it on my podcast when I break down the rookie quarterbacks, you know, I had obviously Kyler Murray one, I had Dwayne Haskins two, and even above, you know, Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, Ryan Finley, my third quarterback is Jarrett Stidham. And, you know, he's having a decent preseason. The Patriots drafted him in round four, and he actually could push Hoyer for the backup job in New England. And, you know, New England has has the history of bringing in the quarterbacks, letting them sit behind Tom Brady, and, and developing that value for them. And I think watching Stidham on tape, you know, he played at Baylor. Well, at Baylor, he had a 70% completion percentage. He transferred to Auburn. You know, he it, his game really changed when he went to Auburn, you know, the offense that they run there. But on tape... You know, he's got the body size. He's got the arm strength. Uh, you know, he can read defenses. He goes through his progressions. He can throw the ball well in the run. You know, he has excellent mechanics. He has excellent footwork. I mean, he has all the tools needed to be a number one quarterback in the NFL. You know, obviously his transferring, you know, from Baylor to Auburn didn't help his stock any. It actually really deterred his growth as a pro-style quarterback by going to that, the offense that uh, Auburn runs. But uh, when I watch him, I, I see a Matt Schaub similarity. You know, Matt Schaub, obviously, he had a few good years as a number one. A lot of his career, he's been, you know, a backup. But I can see Stidham, you know, sitting him on your roster. Obviously, if he becomes the number two, he's increasingly more valuable. If, if anything were to happen to Brady or Brady decides to retire after this year or after next year, you know, and Stidham, he, he's on the team for another four years. So if he becomes the number two in New England, uh, I think that's a great stash, you know, for your dynasty team. What's your thoughts on Stidham? Well, I think it's a great pick. Sometimes it's just about opportunity. Opportunity outweighs talent a lot in this league. And uh, I like what you said, too, about Hoyer and how they can uh, – how they do a good job of, uh, of increasing the value of their backups. 
I could easily see them if they get faith in Stidham uh, trading uh, Hoyer, and then boom, all of a sudden Stidham's the you know starting quarterback here in a few years. And also, you've got you know uh, Grandpa Tom is gonna. I mean, I know he wants to play till he's forty five, but geez, do you, I mean, do you really see what are the chances of that happening? Uh, you know, I mean, I gotta think that he, he's done soon. Um, especially if he gets another ring. I think if he gets another ring, he's going to hang it up. Um, so you've got a very aging quarterback in a, in a uh, offense that is great for developing quarterbacks. You mentioned that he was set back a little bit when he transferred to Auburn, but, I mean, he's in a great position now to be, you know, one of the best developmental teams, if not the best developmental team for a ton of positions, not just quarterback. So, um, you know, the, the passing of the torch is coming soon. One of the most exciting things for me is the passing of the torch uh, over the next couple of years of all these guys that we have watched for so long, Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Philip Rivers, they're going to be gone in a few years. We're watching the, the you know, the, we're watching the torch be passed to Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray and Mahomes and Baker Mayfield and all these young guys. And uh, these guys, Ryan Finley and Stidham, are going to be that next influx of guys. And, uh, again, we're talking about guys that aren't going to cost you anything. I mean, you know, somebody go out and, and stash. Definitely in a, a two-quarterback league um, and definitely in a league that I had Brady. Honestly, um, if I had a really deep league, I would love to have Brady and have uh, both of the uh, quarterbacks stashed on that roster. So, it's a great pick. Yeah, several years ago, I uh, I stashed Matt Castle um, behind Brady the year Brady tore his ACL, and and actually Castle came in and and won me a championship that year. You know, and then you see Jimmy G. So there there's several options. You know, if you if you want to stash the backup behind Brady because he's going to get an opportunity with Belichick, and it could pay dividends, and he's free. So if you have a super flex, no brainer. It should be a no brainer. Did you were you able to sell Castle for value before he absolutely tanked? Oh yeah, definitely. I moved him the following year. You know, my my motto is uh, buy low, sell high. Uh, so as soon as these players reach their ceiling, I'm I'm looking to move them for something. And uh, yeah, obviously we know how that that turned out. So that's great. I mean, you hit on all cylinders there because he didn't do anything after that. Um, from from what I remember, I think he was pretty irrelevant after that. But it's landing spot. It's landing spot. You know, we talked about it before the NFL draft a ton on these rookies. Well. It depends on landing spot. You know, that's what we kept saying over and over, but it's it's so true. Um, Stidham had one of the best landing spots for a guy that uh, people don't know about, so I love it. All right, so let's uh, so we got quarterback, we got wide receiver. Let's go to another pass catcher. Let's go to the tight end position. Give me a give me a deep tight end sleeper that we need to look at. Well, people might say this is a homer pick, and you know I'm here in Indianapolis, but uh, we're going to go with a guy of uh, Mo Alley Cox from the Indianapolis Colts. Mo is massive. Um, they've talked about him on the Fantasy Footballers a few times. Shout out to the Fantasy Footballers. They're literally my inspiration for getting into all this. But, uh, but Mike Wright talks about how he calls him gargantuan because he says his head is just like just <laughs> massive um and he's listed at 65270 but those guys talk about it all the time and i went to training camp this year he looks bigger than that i mean the guy looks like the mountain from game of thrones he is just absolutely massive um he was a, a college basketball player go figure 
you know, these tight ends, these new tight ends in the NFL are all, uh, a lot of them have that uh, basketball background, but it is a great background to have. Um, he went to a little-known school, Virginia Commonwealth. He has a 36-inch uh, wingspan, which is 99th percentile, which is going to be an advantage at his position. Um, he has a 113 Sparks score, according to uh, playerprofiler.com, 75 percentile. Um, last year in limited play, he was number 10 overall in yards per route run, and he has the NFL's biggest hands. They are massive. Ebron <laughs> um, and Doyle were both hurt all spring and uh, and just recently both came back to practice. So he's had tons of time in the offseason to get those crucial reps on one full drive last night and uh, in week one. They ran a three tight end set for a whole drive with all three of those guys out there. So um, there was talk of, you know, even before Ebron and Doyle came back, of course, Doyle had that hip surgery. Ebron had a, a multitude of things he was dealing with. They, uh, uh, the Colts brass said that, you know, this guy's earned some playing time. They even came out to say that he'll probably get about 20% of the snaps, which had make sense to me from what I've seen uh, in the past couple games that if he's out there for a drive or two for the whole drive, that's going to equate to about 20%. So if that keeps up, Doyle and Ebron stay healthy, he probably doesn't have that much relevance this year. Again, we're talking about deep stashes, right? A lot of people don't know contracts. I mean, let's be honest, it's something that I pay attention to in Dynasty. I think it's really important. But Ebron and Doyle are both not inked past this year. So if they decide to move on from one or both of those guys, um, that'll be excellent opportunity for, uh, for Mo. And uh, going into 2020, that'll be his third year. Are they going to bring in somebody else if they let one or two of those guys go? Can he handle all the volume? No, absolutely not. And um, luck does throw a lot to the tight end, so um, there is enough room for two guys to be relevant. So a guy to stash, a guy that can be very relevant if there's an injury, and, um, and a guy that could be definitely used a ton more next year in two tight end sets if they, uh, if they let go of one of those guys. So uh, he's, a, he's a huge stash for me. I've got him in a ton of my leagues. He's free. He's on your waiver wire. Now, you made some great, great uh, points. The, the one question I have about him, did he add the word Ali so that his name isn't Mo Cox? All right, so I'm, I'm going one for one with you. I'm, I'm trying to bat 1,000. Um, my tight end is going to be Foster Moreau uh, for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, you know, he was picked round four. Uh, he's 6'4", 253, similar to Mo Ali Cox. Mo Ali Cox was 6'4", 262. Uh, Mo Ali Cox ran a 4'8". Foster Moreau ran a 4'6". So Foster Moreau was a very athletic tight end. He, he got very little work in college playing at LSU, but his metrics uh, at the combine were off the chart. His 40 was fifth best among all tight ends in this class. His bench press was second best. His vertical jump was third best. Broad jump was fourth best. All his numbers are very similar to George Kittle. Now, you can't do a one-for-one Foster Moreau-George Kittle comparison, but I will say that I noticed a lot of these uh, metrics with George Kittle a few years ago, and I actually stashed him on all my Dynasty rosters. I have 100% uh, ownership of George Kittle across the board, uh, and I see very similar measurables to Foster Moreau. And, And when you watch the tape, the one thing that stuck out to me from George Kittle is when he caught the ball, he was looking to run everybody over. If you got in his way, he's looking to destroy you. 
And when I watch Foster Moreau, he does the same thing. I mean, they both have very little catches in college, but when Moreau catches the ball, he's looking to end somebody and just destroy them. So right now the hype is around Darren Waller. You know, Darren Waller's been in the league for several years, a wide receiver converted to tight end. He was in Baltimore. Baltimore thought so much of him that they drafted Hayden Hurst, they drafted uh, Mark Andrews, and they had Waller on the roster. So to me, that says a lot. Now, obviously, he can go to Oakland and evolve into a better tight end. But the thing I like about Foster Moreau, and if you listen to my tight end podcast about rookie tight ends, the top fantasy tight ends in the league are also some of the best or the best blockers in the NFL. They're the tight ends that never leave the field. It's the the George Kittles, the Travis Kelseys, the Zach Ertz, tight ends that can block as well as be great athletes that can be a mismatch. And Foster Moreau is an extremely good blocker. And if Waller can't block as well, I think you're going to see Foster Moreau move up and potentially replace him as the starter. Now, again, he's a boomer bust pick. I'm not saying he's the next George Kittle. I'm saying he's got very similar traits to George Kittle, and I'm trying to scoop him up everywhere I can. And I think he's a good stash uh, because if Waller face plants after the hype, Moreau is Mayock's guy, Moreau is Gruden's guy. Uh, You could see Moreau move into that starting lineup and and really be a fantasy impact player uh, for the Raiders. What's your take on Foster Moreau? Well, I love that you picked him too. You know, um, it's crazy. I, I, I've, I've had my eye on him. Last week, I just kind of got a wild hair at my ass and decided I'd look and see if he was out there. And he was out there in like three. I drafted him in a couple leagues, but he was out there in like three of the leagues that I'm in. And I play in a lot. I play in leagues with people that, you know, are on top of their shit. I was kind of surprised that he was out there. So I just recently uh, over doubled my ownership. Did you, uh, just side note, did you say that you were 100% Kittle owned? 100%. How do you manage that? Well, when he came out as a rookie, nobody even knew who he was. In my rookie drafts, I was taking him last pick in every draft and just stashing him. And and the thing is, as a rookie, as a rookie, he had a lot of injuries. I mean, because I kept my eye on him a lot. He was always missing practice, but I noticed even though he missed practice, he was always available for the game. So, I mean, you can look at his rookie year injury report and every injury that you could possibly think of. But he made it, he made every game. So I didn't expect the breakout we saw last year. I don't think really a lot of people did. And actually, I he was like my third tight end on my dynasty teams. I didn't see that. I don't think anyone saw that. But I thought that he could be a decent, you know, tight end in a few years. And, and fantastic. Yeah, I was just curious how, I mean, you drafted them. For all your listeners, you know, I would definitely listen to somebody that is 100% Kittle owned because he drafted him in, in the fourth and fifth round of his rookie, you know, dynasty drafts a few years ago in Foster Moreau. I mean, geez, you've got a lot of, uh, you've got a lot of cred right there. The, the one thing I want to say is I don't want to take 100% of the credit because, you know, as I do my research, I, I, I stream everywhere. I watch tons of film, you know, I, I look into everything. And Mike Mayock actually had George Kittle as his number five tight end in that draft. And that really said, okay, well, if Mike Mayock thinks he's at least top five, I need to d- dive into this. Which brings me back to, to Foster Moreau. Mike Mayock drafted Foster Moreau. So put two and two together, you know, so I, I'm definitely stashing Foster Moreau uh, and, and see what happens. That's a great tie in there. I don't know if you like, uh, if you uh, follow uh, Kyle Recon, Kyle Recon and then Hilo. Those two guys, we talk about those type of, of intertwining what you just said about, you know, Mayock and and you know uh, a coaching tree and intertwining that Mayock intertwining with uh, Kittle and uh, Moreau I love it Um, I mean if he was so high on Kittle 
and, and they went out and got Moreau. I mean, he probably sees something very similar in him. Uh, going back to Darren Waller, you know, he's been all the hype, and they pretty much named him the starter, like, in freaking May. I have no idea what the benefit was there saying he's our starter this year or anything. But uh, uh, there could be a smoke screen there. There could be something that they're doing to try and motivate him as they uh, progress uh, Moreau. Um, we know that rookie tight ends, you know, have uh, usually uh, need some time to develop. So this is another great stash. Maybe Waller is somebody they're throwing out there right now while Moreau uh, uh, gains his footing. And like you said, great blocking grade. That's something that I looked up um, on his profile. Excellent blocking grade, which is going to earn him some playing time. And then if we just look at what Carr did last year with Cook, a lot of people are saying now that Antonio Brown is there and, and Josh Jacobs is there. He won't need that safety valve, but he's going to take it. I mean, you know, those guys, uh, Jacobs getting open underneath, um, bringing those linebackers up, and Antonio Brown going deep, um, bringing those safeties back, is going to open up the middle of the field for a lot of guys and possibly have a situation where Waller and Moreau are both relevant. But I love the stash. That's another team that's uh, that's – has gotten younger um, and has totally changed, uh, you know, changed directions here. Hopefully there's good things for them to come. One thing I said in uh, January, February, you know, going into the drafts, going into some of the dynasty drafts was this is the year. If you don't have your dynasty tight end, this is the year to get them, you know, and, and if it's not, um, you know, my favorite in the class is TJ Hawkinson. Um, and obviously Noah Fant, I think is in a great situation as well. But if it's not one of those two guys, there's a ton of guys like Moreau, like Jay Sternberger over in Green Bay, like Alizé Mack down in New Orleans, that can all you know move up and be the future of the position here in the next couple of years. So uh, you know, I'm excited about you know your picks really as much, if not more, than mine. Really. Well, if if you know if you haven't had a chance to listen to or my listeners, I, I break down the draft class from this year: tight ends, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers. And I try to pull some nuggets out and whether you agree or, or don't agree, you know, perhaps maybe I, I talk about something that you overlooked or or didn't consider. And, you know, I really want to uh, break down the drafts. Uh, you know, I go to the combine and you've been in Indianapolis. We're going to have to meet up for the uh, combine next year. But awesome. uh, yeah, I went this year to, to running back day. That was a big deal. We had a big podcast about it, too. Um, absolutely, man. And that's why we're all here. Jeez, I think some of the uh, some of my colleagues um, get so set in their takes and, and what they're all about and the players that they're all about. They don't spend time looking at what other people are, are looking at and, and what other players are out there and why they're relevant. And uh, that's what I'm all about. I'm here to learn from you and from everybody else I interact with. And, and I think that's what it's all about, you know, uh, is not being stubborn and, and being open to new ideas. All right. That, I mean, that sounds great because that, that's how we all get better. Once you think you know everything, that's when you're going to start falling behind. So you want right. to stay ahead of everybody and, and take in as much knowledge as you can and, and try to apply that to your process. And it's only going to make you better. So, oh, no shit. I'm talking <laughs> to a guy that just said he drafted George Kittle 100% of the drafts. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not... I'm, I don't know. I'm not worthy right now at this point. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a better, I mean, other than I guess a couple of years ago, I dragged, I grabbed Alvin Kamara everywhere. Um, That's great. That's great. I'm still not a hundred percent owned. And, uh, God, I know I hate to keep coming back to that, but, uh, I'm, I'm, 
I'm a little chubby. I got a little chubby. <laughs> well, you know, I, I wish all my picks were that good. Um, you know, I, I've definitely had my my hundred percent of a player that's busted. Uh, right. But when they break out, you definitely you know you feel good about yourself. And um, you know, I've I've had some hits, but I've had a lot of busts. Um, but that's why we're here. We're trying to improve our process. We're trying to find those quote unquote sleepers, uh, those breakout players. So um, so let's get into the the final position, the the juicy position that people want to talk about, and that's the running back position. Give me a running back that that's a deep sleeper that a lot of people aren't talking about that we can stash and perhaps you know help us get to a championship or win a championship. So many to choose from, and I heavily scouted this class, and and this is going to be a guy that uh, that may surprise you, but I mean I tried to dig pretty deep here. Um, Divine Ozigbo that went to the New Orleans Saints, and and mainly because of you know this kind of a theme for me throughout our conversation has been getting guys on on, on teams that are exciting and 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 the you know the up and coming teams that score a lot of points. Uh, I mean I think. That even after you know Drew Brees is done, this team's built um, for success for a ton of years um, and uh, are always fantasy relevant. And uh, you've got the use of two uh, running backs that are very, very integral to this system that Sean Payton's been running forever, um, and has shown that two running backs can be very fantasy relevant. From Nebraska, he was a surprise combine snub, which really, really surprised me and a lot of people that Ozigbo wasn't invited to the combine. 5'11", 222, he's a big dude. 82% burst score on player profiler. 93% college yards per carry, 7.1 yards per carry at Nebraska. Really, really like this kid's tape. He's surprisingly agile for a big guy. He has surprisingly good hands as well in the passing game. He's very athletic for a big guy. Kind of reminds me of a more athletic LeGarrette Blunt. as has been the comp that I've been using for the last few months on this guy. A more athletic and agile LeGarrette Blunt. He won't wow you with side-to-side lateral movement or anything like that, but with his burst, he doesn't really need that or need that to be a part of his game. He can move the pile, get that head full of steam going with that huge burst off the line. It's kind of like uh, Pringle and what I was talking about earlier. You know, uh, I want pieces of this offense. I think he could fill in uh, immediately if there's an injury. Uh, I think he'll definitely make the squad. You know, there's some other guys that I've been talking about. Alex Barnes was my other big sleeper this year um, that went to Tennessee, and he's struggling to make the team, poor guy. Um, but I think Ozigbo's definitely going to make the squad, and uh, and I like him as a stash. He's free. I'm sure that he's on your waiver wire right now. If not, I'm sure you can get him for a future sixth or just, you know, uh, a can of... A can of potatoes. <laughs> and and you know everyone is so um infatuated with Kamara obviously and and Latavius Murray is moving up draft boards because the thought process is what happens if Kamara goes down you know Lat Murray has standalone value but if there's an injury he's even better well everyone's forgetting what happens if Latavius Murray gets injured he has not been a product of health his career so this Sean Payton has made Tim Hightower relevant he's made Kiri Robinson relevant he's made all these running backs relevant and if Latavius Murray goes down and a Zigbo is the handcuff to Murray he could come in and actually be a player that could win you a league this year yeah yeah, he could come out of nowhere and be super, super relevant. Like, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys, but, uh, you know, there's been more talk about Damian Harris and Devin Singletary and some of those guys that are in the same position that are one injury away from um, from super relevance. But um, the other thing you brought up is what if, you know, what if Kamara goes down? 
they're still going to use a two running back set, and Ozigbo's got the hands. So I think uh, people miss out on that a lot of times when you look at teams like um, Chicago and the Patriots and, and New Orleans. If there is an injury, you got to look at that next man up, too. I mean, obviously, they got the opposite guy has is, is got super value. But, like, you know, if, if Sony goes down, it doesn't make a huge spike for James White. James White has his role. If Sony goes down, the big benefactor is Damian Harris. Mm-hmm. Same thing with New Orleans. If if uh, if either one of those guys goes down, I think uh, Osigbo could step in and be relevant. Excellent. All right. So my running back, he's he's not on an electric offense, but you know I feel like he's an electric player, and I, I had him on my my pre-draft ranking, and he he fell to round six. But that's Ty Johnson uh, out of Maryland. Uh, he went to Detroit Lions. You know, he's 5'11", 210. He runs a 4'4", 5". Uh, you know, he has above average burst. They got rid of Theo Riddick. And everybody in the industry, 90%, is in love with Carrion Johnson. I saw burst from Carrion last year, and I thought he was very impressive. But, you know, he went down with an injury. There's reports coming out that, you know, he's saying that, you know, he doesn't even feel like he's a bell cow. You know, you have uh, C.J. Anderson there, where we know who he is other than last year with the Rams. Uh, Zach Zinner. So Ty Johnson could move up the depth chart. He could become the theoretic replacement. Uh, at Maryland in 2016, he had 1,200 all-purpose yards, seven touchdowns. He had 16 catches. He's a speed burner. I think that he could work his way up. I even kind of see some resemblance of Lamar Miller, which, you know, isn't a great fantasy asset. But if you can get a Lamar Miller type back for free uh, at this point in the game, uh, I, I think it's uh, it's a good move. He may never evolve, but if Carrion goes down, they have C.J. Anderson and Zach Zinner left to take over the snaps, which, you know, I think Ty Johnson is probably a better athlete than both of those players. You know, so everything would be needed for him to move into the starting role. But if he does, uh, he will be a definite waiver wire add uh, quickly and could help you win a championship. So what do you think about Ty Johnson? Yeah, this is another guy that, uh, you know, if something does happen, it's too late. You know, it's crazy. This is another guy that here, I think about two weeks ago, I did the same thing I did with Moreau. Like, let me see if there's any Ty Johnson out there. Like, And again, I picked up like two or three free shares of the guy. I also drafted him in a couple of rookie drafts and in a couple startup drafts. You know, C.J. Anderson's just a stopgap. Um, Zach Zenner is just a guy, and um, there was a lot of buzz that Theo Riddick was gonna was gonna move on and get cut or get traded. And I think that he could be Theo Riddick and kind of carve out his own role. I mean, if you look at what teams are doing right now, the teams that don't have that secondary quote unquote scat back or, or whatever you want to call it with Tariq Cohen, with James White, right? With these kind of guys, they're drafting guys to be that guy. I think uh, Carolina eventually wants to be uh, wants Jordan Scarlett to be that guy. I think that uh, Miami would like to see a situation where Kenyon Drake or maybe even Miles Gaskin plays that role. And I think that Detroit wants Ty Johnson to play that role. It's another young team. Um, Stafford is a little older, but not as old as some of those guys we were talking about earlier. He's got enough time to still be super relevant. Young team as well with Galladay and Carradion Johnson. I like the pick a ton. I have been picking that guy up wherever I can and stashing him. Um, He's like any of these guys we've talked about could have immediate relevance this year, um, but they're very nice long-term stashes as well. And and he's making the team. I don't think, I mean, Osigbo... Yeah, he's probably on the bubble. I can't think of anybody else that we've talked about that's not making the squad. 
so uh, I love that pick. You know, like you said, he's got he got, he's got C.J. Anderson and Zach Zinner ahead of him. That's that's not uh, that shouldn't be that, that hard to beat out. All right, so you know I appreciate you spending your time with us today. I'm going to get you out of here on a series of quick questions. But before we do that, is there anything you want the listeners to know? We talked about your website, polysleepers.com. They can find you on Twitter at polysleepers. What else do uh, the listeners need to know? Yeah, polysleepers.com. There's some articles in there. Um, I've wrote a few articles. There's an article in there about uh, sleeper wide receivers um, with Byron Pringle. There's an article in there I wrote about uh, trading within the tiers. Um, tier uh, to tier trading is what I call it, where uh, you can pick up somebody that's, you know, you've got somebody that another coach values a little bit more and vice versa, and you can get some extra picks thrown in, and really you're trading within the tier. Um, you can go read that. Also, a great article I've mentioned Kyle Recon earlier that he wrote about some very interesting coaching tree pass with the uh, Detroit Lions and TJ Hawkinson and the uh, Broncos and Noah Fant. So he wrote a tight end article for me. And next week we will have an expert consensus rankings out for redraft featuring uh, uh, Sam Lane, uh, Stompy, the Fantasy Madman, Hilo, uh, a bunch of the guys that I uh, am tight with on uh, Twitter. But follow me on Twitter. Go to polysleepers.com. Uh, we'll have some DFS stuff this year, too, just like we always do. Anytime you want to slide into the DMs, as they say, uh, and ask me any questions or at me on Twitter, ask me any questions. Tag me in your polls. If you want a, you know, a poll with a nice sample size, uh, my polls get pretty good traction. So um, love to have you follow me on Twitter. And uh, thanks for having me on today, man. Yeah, no problem. So because we're talking about sleepers, um, I'm going to end it on, on this question. I want you to give the listeners a bold Something bold prediction as far as sleepers that could happen as soon as this year. Oh, um, I think that this year either uh, uh, Damian Harris or Devin Singletary could be uh, this year's uh, Philip Lindsay.